You're stranded on a desert island and a small box washes up on shore. What's inside the box? Oh, gosh. My first instinct is to say Gwyneth Paltrow's head. (laughs) The (laughs) best answer. The best answer. All right, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 290. 290! And it's a special one. Yeah, for a couple reasons. One, Matt and I are in the meat space. We're sitting across the table from each other. Yeah, this is a very special. Gazing deeply into each other's eyes as we speak. It's always odd when we do this. Um, <laughs> this is actually really, uh, oddly enough, we are... Mere uh, about a hundred yards from where the idea of Nerd Appropriate was born. It's true. In a yeah, place yeah. called Baldwin Park, we sat on a curb and we're like, we should start a podcast. Yeah. Seven years ago. It was just and you and me are. and the ladies. Yep. Scott wasn't around yet. He wasn't. And I said, we should include my friend Scott. And I was like, who, that little guy? <laughs> <laughs> and you went on like a terrible tirade yeah. for like, I was like I don't 15 like, minutes. I don't like people with beards. Yeah. No. Um, Scott's not here. We're going to talk about why he's not here on the next episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a special episode. Episode 290 has Mari Takahashi from Smosh Games. And uh, she... She's going to be talking about Operation Open World, which is incredibly cool. She went to Egypt and got to explore um, a lot of the places that are seen in Assassin's Creed Origins, which I was insanely jealous about. That's so, cool. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, I say it all the time, but you know, if we have guests on, and I'm like, I want to be that person's yeah. friend. Uh, and she was one of those people, and I was like, oh, she just has such a cool story. So let's listen to her story and come back. It's a long interview, so this is going to be the whole episode. Cool. All right. See you in a bit. All right, so we are here with Mari Takahashi. This is episode 290 of the Rated NA Podcast, and I'm Ash. Uh, Welcome, Mari. Hey, thanks for having me. So you are in L.A. right now, right? That is correct. I always like to figure out where where my guests actually are, because it's... (laughs) I'm on the East Coast. I'm actually in Orlando, so it's always always fun to see where folks are. But thanks so much for coming on the show. This is super exciting. I was just... uh, Right before we got started, um, I was... uh, I was excited to talk to you about about Egypt and Operation Open World, but we're going to talk about lots of stuff before we get there. But first of all, I'm insanely jealous that you got to go to Egypt. Like that's insane. Oh, right. Like it, it, I'm jealous of myself. Like I can't. I still can't believe I went. I know. I I I, I lurked your Instagram and saw pictures of you like you know hanging outside of the pyramids, and I'm like, damn it, I want to do that so badly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like. I have to say, and maybe it's a generational thing, I feel like it's like every kid from our generation's dream to just do anything with pyramids. No, it really is. Like, in, uh, I talked to you just for a minute before we got started about how I used to be a teacher, and that was like one of the things that I loved teaching to young kids because um, I don't feel like they get, uh, they get that much of you know, Egyptian history anymore. So getting to teach them about the pyramids and, you know, and, and that culture was really exciting. And it is, it's like, it's so, it feels otherworldly and just fantastic. And that's another reason why I'm 
super eager to dive into Assassin's Creed, <laughs> which I haven't had yeah. a chance to do yet because it's just it's one of my favorite periods in history. And it's just, you know, everything about it is so wild and just, you know, otherworldly. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, before I, I remember. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, like I, I remember learning it as a kid and obviously nothing stuck. None of the history stuck. And that's probably the, like the worst thing you could hear as a as a history teacher. <laughs> um, but I just know from when I was a kid back then and even now, there's something so mysterious about it. There's something, like you said, otherworldly and fantastic about it. No, there really is. And, um, you know, it is definitely the perfect setting for an Assassin's Creed game. Um, I was waiting for the new the new Xbox, which just came out today before I played it. So right. I'll, I'll be playing it within a, within a couple of days and can't wait to d- dig <laughs> in there. But um, with all of our guests, the first time they come on and hopefully you come on again in the future. But uh, the first time they come on, I like to kind of dig into their history a little bit and get to know them. Um, you have the craziest and coolest history and you've done some unbelievable things. Um, I want to start and, you know, I'm sure you've, you've had conversations like this many, many times in the past, but for our listeners that may not know a little bit about your history, uh, you actually didn't start in games, which I discovered that most people don't really ever start in games. They start somewhere else. Um, you started in ballet. That's right. Uh, it's definitely not a normal path to go from professional ballerina to YouTube gaming, but, uh, it is the strange, uh, windy road, uh, that I've taken in my career path. I mean, it's incredibly cool. Like, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever met, I've met, I don't even know how many people in the games industry, and I don't know if I've met anyone that was a professional ballerina segue into working in games that's <laughs> just like a very yeah it's a very odd path I, you know i think both uh careers are very strange like i i, I don't think that professional ballerina is usually a viable career either <laughs> and then that going into games after that is you know it you definitely can't read a book on how to do either right right yeah i mean it's very similar like i um like I mentioned before, and we already said on the show, um, I was a teacher. And when I tell people I, I went from teaching to working in games full time, people are like, well, how'd you do that? That's crazy. But I feel like the transition from from ballerina to working in games is uh, a little bit more wild. Can you tell just, a, a, I guess, a condensed version of that story of how you went from from dancing to, to working in games and working with Smosh? Sure. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing you have to prepare yourself uh, when you want to become a professional ballerina is to be poor and to work and work uh, while continuously mending and healing your body because that is essentially your only tool that you have. Um, But I was working as a professional ballerina. I had three other jobs just to uh, stay afloat in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, man. And, um, you know, I was teaching on the side. I was choreographing on the side. I was coaching kids for competitions, and I was uh, dancing full-time at the Oakland Ballet. And I would take any gig that came along, you know, whether it paid uh, 50 bucks or if it was for free, but it would give me, quote-unquote, exposure I was a magician's assistant at one point. What? I would do birthday parties <laughs> and go with a ballerina. I would take any gig ever. And uh, one day a gig came through, uh, which was they needed a Japanese-speaking person to be in an internet video for a Pokemon video for YouTube. 
And I was like, hey, I speak Japanese. I got this in the bag. And it paid 50 bucks, and I was stoked out of my mind. I'm like, man, that's going to cover my gas, and I'm going to eat well tonight. <laughs> and so I showed so up. Good. <laughs> yeah, I was. In, I lived in San Francisco, and I drove up to Sacramento, and it was about a two-hour drive. And I show up, and it's for a YouTube channel called Smosh. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, Smosh, that sounds familiar. Hey, it's those kids who uh, who who had that like Mortal Kombat video a while ago, right? I, I think that video was passed around, and so I kind of remembered who they were. But me being extremely naive and not doing my homework on who I was working with that day, didn't realize that they had, you know, continued to make videos uh, consistently and have created this empire on YouTube. I was just going in for, you know, and just another gig. Um, and that day, you know, I, we were on set. We got along. Um, I think at one point in my life, I wanted to become a car mechanic. And so I was really into cars. Ian was into cars. And Ian and I talked about cars for a little while. And um, that sort of day on set led to them asking at the end of the day, hey, would you come back for an audition for a more prominent role on Smosh? That's so um, awesome. It, They're like, the you're, you're hired tomorrow. basically instantaneously. <laughs> that's so great. I mean, that's like, yeah, that... I mean, it was just so weird. Yeah. I yeah. Mean... And, and that audition, honestly, I almost didn't show up to it because it was another two hour drive, four hours total. And, um, I almost didn't show up to it, but I, I had no other gigs going on that day. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, and I always think back to what if I didn't show up right. to that audition. It's like My one life of those... would have been completely different. I wouldn't be here speaking to you. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Like when you, you have those crossroads moments in life, um, you know, I mean, very similar to me. Like I had a friend that I was, I was teaching full time and I had a friend that like was looking for a community manager for a game and ended up leaving teaching to work in games and have worked in games since. But it's like, if I wouldn't have just like picked up the phone that day and like field fielded the question, like I'd be in a completely different place right now. It's just very weird to think about stuff like that. Yeah, it's absolutely humbling, which is, and, and it's one reason why I always say like the, the two things that you can always uh, change or control in any situation is to just show up and not be an asshole. Like those are the two things that could have, uh, put me in a completely different direction, uh, from where, I, from where I was and where I am now. Right. But it sounds like you were already working insanely hard. And that's what I think a lot of people don't like. It always sounds like people kind of stumble their way into the industry, um, in some capacity, but I think everyone that gets there, no matter what they're doing, they have to work really hard. It's not like you just showed up for a Pokemon video and that was it. It's like, well, then you're probably the next stage of working your ass off started, you know? Yeah, I, I think um, at least for, you know, the first generation of uh, YouTubers, the one thing that unites all of us is that that hustle, everybody was hungry just to make something, just to keep churning out material and being creative and just putting anything out there. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's such an amazing medium. Like I, I'm old enough to remember the, the, the time before YouTube, before anyone could put up anything and, and really like find success ju just due to pure creativity. You know, you don't, there's no barrier really. 
Um, and I just think it's fantastic. And I think what you guys are doing is, is a lot of fun. I, I wanted to ask you real quick, just a little bit more about ballet. Cause I just, I find it insanely interesting, but, um, do you ever, cause obviously you had to train your whole life to get to the stage you were at in ballet. Do you have any regrets about not, you know, having, I don't want to say a normal childhood, but having to work so hard as a kid to, to hone those skills? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's weird. I I had a crazy schedule. By the time I was in high school, I think I was working. And I say working, which is crazy. I was in about 24 to 30 hours of ballet classes and rehearsals a week. I was pulled out of school. You know, I'd tour in December and wouldn't be in school at all. Um, And it's weird because all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid was just – kick the living crap out of stuff. Like I wanted to do karate. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to be Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. And um, I'm a second generation dancer. I'm a second generation ballerina. My mom put me into ballet when I was two and a half and it was my entire life. It, it, it engulfed everything and everything else in my life was secondary and it's the only thing I did. I was never on team sports or anything like that. Um, and do I regret it is such a funny question to me because in so many ways, it's the thing that defined me. It not only right, right. who I am and what I do, but, you know, it solidified my work ethic. It taught me the importance of, you know, being a good learner. Um, it definitely uh, ingrained the the thought of hustle and just continuing to work hard. Um, I, I always say that there is no experience that is not worth your while as long as if you learn from it. And I don't know if I would have the same sort of personality if I didn't have, you know, 29 years of ballet under my belt. So no, I absolutely, I absolutely don't regret it. But I do wonder, had I had 29 years of karate under my belt, what kind of person I'd be? (laughs) A very deadly person. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, that's a really good perspective and you're right. I mean, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't be working for Smosh because you wouldn't have answered that ad. So it's, it's really weird how life kind of, uh, how life does that to you. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about teaching. Cause you mentioned that, um, that you were teaching ballet at the same time that you were kind of discovered by Smosh. Do you think that, you know, your, your teaching at all prepared you for, for your career on YouTube? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think teaching kids is one of the most humbling experiences. That's for um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> first off, you you always have to be on your toes, and it teaches you to pivot and improvise, uh, considering what situations you get yourself into. And I think that's a tool needed for success for success in any career, whether it's YouTube or banking or whatever you're doing. Um, and I think it teaches you to communicate clearly, without right. talking down and. That's another great thing to learn, um, which honestly probably most notably connects to talking to people online. Like arguing right. with a troll online is probably really close in nature to, to arguing with like a third grader who just That's exactly that why I asked you this question, because I, <laughs> yeah. I went on I went on from teaching to do community management for games. And I found mm-hmm. for me it was the exact same skill set. I was like, Oh, I have to be incredibly thick skinned, not just want to lay down and like crawl into a ball at the end of the day. And I have to, and I have to handle the weirdest shit on a regular basis. So I was like, I was like, Oh man, like I bet you, you kind of, you know, I was assuming that you felt the same way just because it's, it is the, the, the correlation between teaching in any capacity and, and working 
in games where there's a forum or anything of that nature is very similar. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're like a kid and you learn that technique of um, repeating everything that the other person is saying just to annoy them. Right. Yes. I, I feel like talking to trolls is the same sort of thing. And like, like neither situation really gets you anywhere. No, it's very, yeah, it's absolutely true. And, you know, both teaching and, and sometimes <laughs> dealing with online trolls is, is really exhausting. I think I watched a video of you a long time ago or in, read an interview or something a while ago where you were talking about how, uh, you know, how the, your first year was actually really tough because you were actually reading all the comments and, like, and yeah, and that's just like, and that's soul shattering. Like I, I remember just like the first time I was like working on a game and I was actually reading like some of the stuff people were saying about me. It's rough. It's like, it's really not the easiest thing in the world. Absolutely. And in the, the comments that hurt the most are the ones that are, you know, they're kind of true. And, yeah. and to hear it over and over again, it's painful. But at the same time, if you are willing and able to, there's so much that you can actually learn about yourself right. from those comments. Right. I, I, I don't ever like to say that, like, you know, don't say negative things about anything or anybody um, because th there's always a, a teaching moment in there, I think, if you're able to take it. Right. I mean, for me, <laughs> I remember vividly, I was like reading some of the comments and like we had been crunching on this game for a long time and just eating terrible food. And I think everybody at the studio gained like 25, 30 pounds. And um, and I was I was the community manager, so I was on camera quite a bit. And one of the people in the comments said, Ash is getting puffy. And I just was oh. like, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Why? You don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. Like I've been eating nothing but pizza for six months. Uh, but you're right. Th there, there is a little bit of truth in those comments, which is sometimes very painful. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes addressing those truths is the best way to uh, not engage combatively with an audience, but for them to just not sit across from you and fight, but sit next to you and be like, yeah, okay, I get it. Because I used to get these comments like, oh, you look tired. And I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. I yeah. recorded this at 2 a.m. and I stayed up all night editing it. And now you're seeing it at noon the next day. Yes, I'm tired. Absolutely. And, right. And, you know, and then the audience is like, oh, that makes more sense. Cool. All right. We'll keep up the good work. <laughs> I and get I'm like, it now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you just for a minute about Survivor, and then we're going to jump into Operation Over uh, Open World. Yes. But, um, I, you know, I'm one of those people that remembers, like, the first season of Survivor, like, vividly as, mm -hmm. when I was a kid. It's such a huge thing. So I just want to know, like, briefly, how the heck... Um, I just want to know how the experience was because it feels to me like I was one of those people that always wanted to be on real world, especially when I was a kid, like real world, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I almost auditioned. Like I, <laughs> I was like so ready, but survivor was a close second, but I have zero like survival skills at all. So I would have just like been the guy that got cut immediately. But <laughs> what was that process like just from, from getting selected to, you know, to surviving? I think the entire process was as strange as my process of getting into YouTube. It, it, I find myself just continuously going through life, throwing myself into situations where I'm like, I am not sure how the outcome is going to be, but now we're doing it. Right. And right. It, it leads to a strange and wonderful life. Um, let's see. Survivor for me, 
uh, made sense because it was kind of a culmination of games and the outdoors, which we'll get into it, like you said, but Operation Open World is that sort of uh, uh, the marriage between the two as well. But, um, you know, I, I was looking for something that I can apply both of those passions for me. And Survivor for all these years has been exactly that. I think the most surprising uh, thing for me was finding myself completely stripped raw of, you know, my surroundings, the amazing support that I have with my friends and my family and, and being transported to a place where none of that ever matters anymore. Nothing matters. And being stripped of all that and then seeing who's still on the inside. And for me to realize that the person on the inside is still like a scared 15 year old me. Oh man. Was, that would be exactly me, by the way. Oh, I would be like, <laughs> I would revert back to 15 year old Ash and be rough. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I think it's really easy to uh, get wrapped up in like your daily life and you know, you, you've, you've got your, You've got your friends, you've got your family, and uh, you know you're, everyone is a text message away, and you feel the support around you. But when all of it's gone, it's like, what? What do you have? You have yourself, and then at, at your weakest point, who are you? It was a very scary yet educational and humbling right. experience. It was did, weird. Did, did you like yourself when you found out who you were sort of at the end of your rope? Like, was it something you were comfortable with? I don't know if I would be like, I, I, I'm genuinely like, now that you've mentioned that, I don't know who I would be um, kind of when push came. I would like to think I'd be okay, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, you never know. So what, what was, what was the, you like at that stage? It was, um, it was it, it it was high school me the wanting to be accepted and just uh, understanding that I'm like a socially awkward person even after all this time I'm like I'm a full blown adult and you know I I talk for a living now and yet at the end of it all I I'm still not confident that I can step into a room and be like hey everyone. It's me. You know, I, I just revert back to being like, I'm sorry I'm here. I, I'm sorry if I'm in your way. Uh, can you hang out with me? You know, like that, it was so weird. eerily similar to kind of how I feel like I would be because it's the same thing. Like, you know, you, you're a teacher and you're on camera all the time and you know how to kind of command an audience. But like you said, with everything stripped away – you know, it's, it's a little different. It would be very different. And I, I have a feeling I, I might end up reverting back to Cause I, before I was a teacher, I had like the worst stage fright ever. And that kind of cured me of it. Cause it, I had to, but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think I have a feeling if I was in a survivor situation and I was, you know, uh, spread very thin, I might end up being like, you know, tired, tired 15 year old Ash again, which is a, a scary thing. <laughs> Sounds like 15-year-old Ash and 15-year-old Mari would get along. Yeah, we probably would have been pals. We probably would have been pals. Like, hey, hey, let's just be friends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's not make any waves. Let's everyone just be cool. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Except for you were, like, already doing ballet, and I was probably already, you know, eating Cheetos and playing uh, playing video games, so. I don't know. I was, I was, I needed some guidance at 15. I was listening to a lot of Lincoln Park and I was, I, I was, uh, it was a storm up in my, in my mind, in my mind. 
Oh uh, yeah, I I completely understand that. <laughs> I completely understand that. Did you have any um do you have any moments that kind of stood out for you in the survivor experience that you would let's say like like later down the line that like would you would consider your your finest moments or worst moments sort of like the the real highlights? Um I think there were moments at night when I was uh, tending the fire. It was like kind of my shift to tend the fire and it was quiet um, that I really enjoyed just being out there. Um, And it was the excitement of playing the game and and just kind of being out there. But when it really got down to it, when it really got down to like, all right, who are we going to start to target and why are we going to target? Like, I realized I didn't like it. Like, I, I I don't know if I've softened up or something, but I'm like, man, these are people, and I, I know it's a game, but there's something in me that's like, it would be so cool if we could all just be friends right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I would probably have the same problem. I'm not the most um, – I like competition, but I, I would feel pretty bad, I think, about about screwing people over. as just sort of my nature. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, it, it was definitely a test of, you know, like I wanted to to go into it and my mindset was like, this is like d and I'm playing a character. This is like an RPG. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to be like a shifty little like mage and I'm going to just do whatever I want. And once you're in there, it's like, man, once you're talking to somebody face to face and you're looking into their eyes and it's like, you can trust me and you know that they can't trust you. There's something strange that happens. I I just couldn't handle it. I'm like, I don't like it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's probably good. It means you're not a sociopath and you're a pretty nice person. <laughs> if you're like, I love I love this, like, deception and, like, scheming, um, there are people that are like that, you know? And, and that's, right. they're, they're kind of scary people. So I'm glad you're not that way. There goes my dreams of wanting to be a sociopath. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> let's let's shift over to Operation Open World because I'm really excited about this and I'm excited to play Assassin's Creed Origins. But um, I guess the the easiest way to get started is just to give us the, the elevator pitch of what it is and then we'll start talking a little bit about your experiences with it. Sure thing. Uh, Operation Open World, it's a show that combines myself, um, a a world traveler, someone whose curiosity has led her to ice climb and scuba dive and backpack and snow camp, uh, along with Jovenshire, our, uh, another member on Smosh Games, who is your typical indoor kid. And <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we have in common is our love for video games. So put us together, uh, and we have Operation Open World, a show where we play a video game and then experience that that super dynamic digital world, but in real life. So cool. Oh my gosh. There's so many amazing places I would want to go. Right? Oh, oh my, my goodness. I mean, I played so much Far Cry 5 just to like be even amongst the Himalayas. Like there, There's so many games out there where it's just like, it's so beautiful. No, I totally agree. And in, in- you know, I have not gotten to go to as many places as you, but uh, I think like this is such a cool concept for a show uh, because I, I feel like today with game development, especially in these large open world games that um, that really, you know, get these areas of the world right. Like they spend so much time getting, mm-hmm. you know, the geography and the topography almost like 
almost perfect that it's really cool to like now see it in the real world after you've played it in a game or vice versa and kind of, you know, and experience it both ways. So, so what was your Absolutely. experience like in, in Egypt? Cause I'm super, I'm so jealous. Like I want to, I want to throw up that I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our, we had a very smooth operation the entire time we were there, you know, nothing went wrong. And I mean, I'm, I've gotten to be like such an advocate for like, as long as if you trust yourself and you're a smart traveler, you know what you're doing, you prepare well, have a wonderful time in Egypt, go to Egypt. Um, right, right. I can't wait to go back, to be honest with you. Um, it was awesome. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, you learn a lot about Egyptology when you're a kid. Like when I, I was a junior member of the Rosicrucian Museum in San Francisco or San Jose, um, cause I just really liked Egyptian, ancient Egyptian history, mummies and all that stuff. It's so cool. It is. Um, so cool. <laughs> and then as an adult to actually go there was, I mean, it's mind blowing. I mean, how I'm like, this is such a ridiculous question, but how weird does it feel to actually see the pyramids with your own eyes? Because it always seems like as a kid, you grow up, you grow up looking at pictures of them. And then, you know, you learn about it a little bit more in high school and then you read about them all the time. And it feels like it's something, like I said earlier, otherworldly. Did you just, does like your hair stand up? Like I just, like, I can't, like, I'm such a nerd for this stuff. So for me, I'm like, I don't even know how I would physically feel. It's like being in the presence of those pyramids. Well, I'll give you two stories. And this is exactly why this show works so well. Um, here I am completely nerding out, like reading as much as I possibly can and, and trying to stuff my brain with facts about uh, this 4,000 year old pyramid. And I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed about it. And I mean, like every time I look at it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's still there. And it, it looks something out, from out of this world. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have Joven who by day two looks at the pyramids and he's somewhat jaded. <laughs> And he's like, ah, you wake up from the hotel and you look at the, you look outside and there they are. They're just standing there. And <laughs> so, I mean, it's two ends of the spectrum. And, you know, I mean, in a full, in, in a world full of technology and skyscrapers and virtual reality, like I totally get it. Um, but I think this is why the, the show is so important. It's important to, you know, pull it back, reset, remember that you know, 100,000 human beings actually built this over, you know, years, over, I think, like 20 years. And it, as long as if you can get your mindset back to it, it's dope. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it, must be, thing. it must be so but cool. But like, I feel like as people now, now that we have, you know, like computers at, at the touch of a button and we have phones, you know, we're talking cross country, no problem. And it's like, because of all that, you have to almost exercise this muscle of just being like, remember how cool this is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talked about their construction and it's just that's one of the things that I, I remember talking about with my students and just being like, how do you think they actually made this? I mean, we, we have a relatively solid idea about how they were built now. Um, not 100 percent, but we kind of get it. But, you know, just the fact that without real machinery something that precise and that incredible could actually ever be built, um, you know, in the way that it was built. It's just like, it's still just like, it's mind blowingly cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's it's such a great idea for a show and, you know, and, and what are some of the other places that you guys might, um, might be heading to? 
Um, I mean, gosh, it's such an open-ended show, right? right, right. There, there's there's so many places that we can go. Um, I I'm I'm up for anywhere. Honestly, <laughs> I so love cool. traveling so much. I can't wait to do another one. Um, I think having a, a game like uh, Origins attached to this is so neat because obviously the pyramids don't look the way they used to uh, back then, right? We no right, longer right. have. It, it, it's no longer covered in limestone the way it was, and it doesn't glow the way it used to. How um, cool was that, too? Like, like I haven't <laughs> played Origins yet, but I'm assuming that they're in their pristine condition that they were in when they were built. But, uh-huh. like, like, the fact that they used to, like, reflect moonlight and glow and, like... How insane would that look? Like, like yeah. people, people don't get it. You know, like they're all, they're old and beaten up now. They used to be gorgeous, you know, like unbelievably gorgeous. Gosh, as, as, as a historian, I can't wait for you to play this. Oh, I, I hope, I hope you shed a tear because, um, you know, I mean, just for somebody who, who experienced even just a moment of it, it I, I shed a tear when, um, so originally I was told that there's no way that you can get into the Great Pyramid of Khufu. Like, the, like there's no way. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because that's where we were able to uh, go in in real life and we toured the inside of that chamber. Um, oh, man. So really? It was that like is out so of cool. my mind. Yeah. And it was like out of my mind. I was like, oh, I guess you can't do that in game. That's too bad. Maybe the, the opening wasn't there during that time, that era. But the other day, I found the hole. And it was the exact same hole that we went through. Are you just kidding me? A few me? weeks ago, and oh my gosh! I so got your killed. brain must have been doing backflips. Yeah, I mean, like that yeah. you were standing where your avatar was standing in the game, and like that is yes. just the coolest thing ever. And that's what I love, like about the Assassin's Creed games in general, is they really do. They try their best to be, you know, historically accurate, and they pull so many cool things into the narrative. The fact that like it was that accurate that you could recognize it and it gave you those nerdy goosebumps is just phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was such a cool moment. And you know, to see, we, we see the Nile now and it's, you know, there's a lot of buildings all around and all this stuff, but to then kind of like wipe that screen of what you saw in real life and then see what it used to be like, it's kind of like a really almost AR experience. Oh, you're um, making me want to go more. This is not good. Yeah, go play it and go to this place. <laughs> yeah. One think, day. I'll get out there one day. There you go. I, I think that's the, the thing that I'm the most proud about the show is that, you know, we're so digital now that and we even have like VR experiences where it's like, you don't have to go. You can experience it in VR. Right. We're, we're doing the exact opposite and being like, yeah, you can experience it in, in real life. And you can do it in game. Well, I think Why that's, not both? that's important for gamers, I think, too. Like, you know, I think it's important for gamers to to get out there and do stuff, too. Like to see, you know, to see some of the things that inspired some of the games, like to go out there and, you know, and check the world out. Like, you know, the new Call of Duty came out. It's a World War Two Call of Duty again. Like, hey, go check out Normandy and like go explore these places that that, ex- you know, that exist and and had these, you know, big historical impacts and influenced a lot of the games that you've been growing up playing. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Um, I have a nerdy question here. This is like a, a kind of a current event that popped up, but, um, apparently there was a new, uh, air pocket or a void discovered in the pyramid of Giza, which is actually pretty big. And, um, I just want to know what you think it is. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, my guess is that it's something probably useful, like grain storage or like a decoy oh. chamber in case of like a tomb robbery. But like, I love it if it was like tons like of mummies. A, <laughs> tons of mummies. Yeah, that, that. I mean, that would be like the most useful. But I like to think that it's like a like a napping space for those who are like building the pyramid. It's like a Google esque like nap room with pods and recliner seats and painted walls to alter your mood. <laughs> that would be so cool. That would be so cool. It's so funny. Yeah, I, um, I don't yeah. know what it is either. I mean, like, like, um, you know, the, the the horror nerd in me would be like, if they crack it open and mummies come pouring out, then that would just be awesome. But you're right; it's probably grain storage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, I don't know. The TARDIS is in there. I, I'm, I'm not sure. There you go. I did yeah. read that you're a big Doctor Who fan. It's probably a TARDIS. You're right. Yeah, that's TARDIS. Good stuff. So we've we, solved the mystery. We, there you go. There's a TARDIS inside the Great Pyramid. Um, so what what's the schedule like for Operation Open World? Like, where can folks find it? What's the the general um, time period for it? So we have three episodes out. It's a three episode arc. Uh, it's on YouTube.com/slash Smosh Games, and all three episodes are live now. Uh, came out concurrently with uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. And it's got a lot of hijinks and travel and information and gameplay. It's got all of it merging together. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> um, do you have time for a couple lightning round questions? They're stupid and ridiculous. It's how we... Sure. Know. All right. Here we go. Okay. So th <laughs> these will force you to go into the Wayback Machine, but they're fun because they always kind of give me the, the secret insight into people's uh, psyche. So, um, Ooh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I know. This is sort of like a... Pretend you're sitting on a nice, comfortable couch and the lights right. are dim. Um, what is the first movie you remember actually seeing in the movie theater? Uh, my, okay, this is, I almost said Dangerous Minds, but that's definitely not true because I was like middle school. Um, and I don't know why I was, that was watching like That was Coolio Michelle stuff. Pfeiffer, right? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was. Um, do you, know, do you say... know the lyrics to that? Do you, know the, do you still know the song? I feel like I know the the, <laughs> the Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, I think I know better. that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I say Yankovic? Yankovic. Anyway, um, I want to say Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really yeah. good one. Yeah, I think that was that's pretty vivid. Yeah, that, that's a good first one. At least a lot of people don't remember, so it's always interesting to see what you do remember. Um, I mean, honestly, I was older. I was like eight when I when I came out. So. I, that's kind of weird that you, I don't remember. You were already training for you were training for so many years before you actually got to go to the movies. <laughs> there you go. They're like no movies for you. You got to dance. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next is, would you get along with a fifteen-year-old version of yourself? Uh, would I get along? Uh, I think I'd get along in the way where I'd probably want to mentor my fifteen-year-old self. Yeah. I, I'm similar. Like I, I always, we ask the same questions to our guests cause I think these are fu ridiculous, funny questions, but I always say that I would probably not get along with a 15 year old version of myself, but it would be more of like a, Hey, you need to get a little bit more self-confidence and like, yeah. And you know, relax I, 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 a little bit. <laughs> I think the thing that I'd keep telling my 15 year old self is going to be like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Right. No, that's really it's important. Yeah. Right. It's going to be okay. Is good advice for 15 year olds everywhere. Um, next one is, uh, you've been kidnapped. You can call on the characters from any one television show to make a rescue attempt. Which show do you pick? Uh, just cause it's in my brain right now so much. Stranger things. Oh my gosh. Have you seen season two yet? Oh, of course. 
so I good. I it in the first night, and I was so sad but oh. happy. Like, I'm like, no spoilers. No one's going to spoil it for me. But I'm like, oh, man, what have I done? Yeah, I, I had, <laughs> well, since I have a one-year-old, I had to kind of pace myself. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I actually liked season two better than season one. I thought it was great. Me too. The music Me was too. so good. The music was great. I felt like the, the characters, like Steve was awesome. I was like, Steve's like the, the superhero of the show now. Yeah, he's he's he uh, developed into a very very likable character. Good deal. I can't. Now we have to wait like till twenty twenty for season three or something. So I know. Like what do we do until then? I know. Um, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what food would you eat? Oh, oh this is gonna sound so gross. Um, okay, so this is not the best way to portray this food, but it's like rice gruel. It's like porridge. I say no. Wait, don't let me say gruel. It's porridge it's, it's like a it's, japanese it's dish. like it's like uh my mother-in-law calls it chot 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 i'm saying it wrong but she's chinese so okay and, said... and the japanese version is okayu okay um but yeah it's just like you soak rice, rice for like ever yeah you soak rice forever and it's like a like a porridge yeah i've had it it's actually really good Dude, <laughs> with a little, you're with so little... cultured uh, it's good right yeah it's good it's good yeah my, my wife's family is all from malaysia so we uh we eat all sorts of crazy. You ever have durian? I have the fruit. Yeah, it's the nastiest damn thing in the world. Okay, I was gonna say, I'm like, have you trained yourself to the no, point where no. you like durian? No, durian's like it's like an old person's butt or something. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah, that is one food where it's like, what? Who's the first person who tried this and was like, hey, dude, you should try this. It's it's really good. Smell I can tell it. you, he's not alive right now. Right. <laughs> From eating durian. Um, I don't know why it caught on. <laughs> did it ever, though? <laughs> I feel like it's like one of those cruel prank fruits that's just like, hey, dude, check this out. <laughs> like, wait. Yep. This is awful. Yep. All right, a couple more. Um, you're stranded on a desert island and a small box washes up on shore. What's inside the box? Oh, gosh. My first instinct is to say Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> <laughs> the and best like, answer the best answer i that would do me no good except for the fact that after being stranded on a desert island for a long time i would say what's in the box and make myself crack up for a moment and be like oh gosh this is not helpful what am i gonna what do with this paltrow head this is a, a totally useless object i've asked this question i don't know how many times i've asked this question you were the first person to say gwyneth paltrow's head so you have <laughs> My undying respect forever. Like, <laughs> you yes. went you went straight for Paltrow's head. That's so good. All right. Last question is the perfect pizza is one topped with blank. A hundred thousand dollars in cash. Wait, why would I only say a hundred thousand dollars? I should say like a hundred billion dollars. That is a genius answer. You're also the first person to give a like a like a a very smart and uh, like a, this is like what you would say to a genie when you're like trying to like get a better wish, you know. <laughs> Except like the contingency would be like, okay, but you have to eat it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be rough. That'd be yeah. Eating a hundred million dollars would definitely not sit well. Yeah, that's you know, if you ever come across a genie. Look at that contract and, and have your lawyer go over that contract with you. There's a lot of contingencies with genie contracts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Especially revolving around pizza and money pizza. Money pizza, yes. Money pizza. <laughs> the only kind of pizza. <laughs> well, Mari, this has been so much fun. Uh, where can folks find you on social media? And do you have anything, uh, other other projects other than Operation Open World that you feel like plugging or talking about? 
Uh, we have a D&D show coming up uh, early 2018 that we're very, very excited about. Oh, cool. Um, and, and so that's, that's the next sort of thing that we're working on alongside with Operation Open World. Um, on social media, people can find me at Atomic Mari just about everywhere. That is so cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. And, uh, of course, the door is always open if you ever want to come back and hang out and talk. Normally, there's, like, two other guys that do the show with me, so it's not just a solo show. Um, but uh, one just moved cross-country. The other guy is helping out his brother with something. So you got stuck with just me. But door is ah, always open. Out. Yeah, they, they did miss out. This was a fun one. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're back. What? That was fun. That was fun. Uh, no, she's, she's super great. So uh, Mari Takahashi, definitely follow her. Atomic Mari on Twitter. And, of course, you can see her on Smosh. And definitely check out Operation Open World. Uh, available now, all of the episodes. Hopefully more episodes to come. I thought it was really, really well done. Super fun. And uh, really made me want to go to Egypt and explore. I'm very jealous. Did you see that... Uh the new discovery of the pyramids, the extra secret room or whatever. I did. We actually talk about it on the episode. Yeah, we kind of nerd out about Egyptology a little bit. And so did she talk about how apparently Assassin's Creed like predicted this event? Did you guys get into that? No, we didn't get into that. We talked about what we thought was inside, yeah. um, which was really fun and kind of took guesses as to what was inside. That's but awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, she got to actually... Um, there, there are places in the game. They did such a, a good job with the game of actually recreating actual physical locations yeah. of, of ancient Egypt. Um, she actually got to go to like a photorealistic spot that yeah. she actually experienced in the game. And she said she kind of had this weird goosebumpy moment. She's That's like, cool. I've been here in the game already and now I'm here yeah. in real life, which is uh, just awesome, which is really cool. So definitely check out operation open world, follow Mari, Mari on social media and uh, you can follow us on social media at nerd appropriate you can uh, go to our facebook page which is slash nerd appropriate on facebook uh twitch tv slash nerd appropriate and uh, email us if you have any questions nerds at nerdappropriate.com and we will have another episode which we're about to record uh very soon so thanks for your patience and we'll talk to you guys soon bye bye One of the people in the comments said, Ash is getting puffy. And I just was oh. like, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.